So uh, let me jump into the message. Got tons of stuff. Imagine that. I got more stuff to cover than I have time to do it, right? Um, so we're, we're breaking out this new series called Home Sweet Home. So, so excited about this, but at the same time, so overwhelmed with the seriousness of the task because I realize that this is a big issue because the reality is, is a lot of our homes are hurting. A lot of our relationships are hurting. A lot of, I don't know, Jennifer and I were talking this weekend, just talking about people that are just discouraged, you know, relationally, just discouraged in their families, in their marriages, just, just, you know, it's like, man, man, what's, what's got to change? What's got to happen that we can maybe, and so part of this series is addressing that issue, and so I think this is a, a safe assumption that almost all of us would say we would love for our homes to be a sweet place, right? I think we would like that. You know, we, we would want it to be a place where we feel love and love is given and there's just this incredible sense of belonging and, and it's that place, you know, where, where your kids love to be. You know, if you've got kids that are older, you know, like, man, my kids want to be there, you know, and, and there's just this sense that it's a sweet place. And so this whole series is trying to talk about what that looks like and how do we get this peace, this happiness, this contentment to be a part of our homes. And, and the reality is, though, is our homes many times are everything but that. That's the reality. The reality is, is we want that, but what we have is this. We, we want this thing to be happening in our homes, but the reality is we have something totally different. And I, and I asked myself the question, what would be the words to describe the condition of my home? And I'm not talking about whether I got the trim all done in the, in the back room or not, all right? I'm not talking about that. What about the condition of our homes? You know, and... And, and you, you maybe think about some words that you would describe as the condition of your home. I think sometimes in our home, there's tension. I'm just going to be very transparent. I think there's frustration. That's, that's part of it. I mean, I, th- I think that's some of the words that, that I might throw out there. We, Jennifer and I just had a, a very um, uh, passionate discussion yesterday. <laughs> you know, I'm just being real. I mean, I think that's part of where we're at. And, and, and so, you know, it'd be nice if there were words like happy, joyous, goodwill, pleasant, awesome, amazing, incredible, peace, and all those kind of things. But the reality is, is I think a lot of times the words are things like crazy, tense, painful, competitive, lonely, busy, stressful, discouraged, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And so many of our homes are full of tension and resentment and bitterness. And so somehow we've got to figure out how to get the sweetness back. Or maybe find it, <clears throat> find it for the first time, right? Maybe it's never been there. Maybe, maybe we're in a home situation where my home's never been like. I grew up in a home where it was never there. I mean, I spent all my growing up years in a home that wasn't sweet. It was It was painful. It was difficult, and, and maybe that's your situation. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe it's the situation that you created right now. Maybe you're going, man, look what I've done, and, and, and that's just the reality. And so we just need something to happen. You know, many of us, we're, we're living in the same house, but we're far from being home. We got the same address, <laughs> but there's no home. We, we, we go in the same door, but there's no home. And we just need something to happen. We just need some change in, in going through that. And so here's what we're going to do. Over the next five weeks, we're going to walk through the Beatitudes of Jesus. It's kind of an interesting twist to take the Beatitudes of Jesus and apply it to how do you have a home sweet home situation. And I think it's perfect. 
It's perfect for us to understand this thing. So let me jump into our key text for this week, and we're going to look at a different text every week out of Matthew 5. But let me jump into the first one. And this is Jesus, and this is called the Sermon on the Mount. And these are his opening words, if you will, in one of the greatest sermons ever given, right? This is what he talks about. Here's what he said. God blesses those who are, and the word bless, you could actually interpret it. There's a sweetness about this. There's, there's a happiness. There's a contentment. There's a peace. God blesses those who are poor. And he's not talking about finances here. He's talking about heart. And realize their need for him. For the kingdom of, God, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In other words, there is this thing that happens in us that we experience because of this blessedness that God does in us. Next verse. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses, verse 5, those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. There's that sense that I, I receive something. That if this happens, I receive. And so, you know, here's a couple of thoughts just real quickly off the text. Number one is this. God wants us to be blessed. God wants us to experience this sweetness. God isn't wanting us to have this miserable existence that somehow it's just we're just getting by. And if I survive another week, you know, man, if our home could just somehow crawl past the, 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 the line of life, so to speak, that's not God's intent. God's intent is that we would have this blessedness, this sweetness about it. And in light of that, here's another thought, is we need God's favor. Each and every one of us in this room need God's favor. We need God's favor over our homes. We need God's favor over our, our marriages. And, and we need God's favor just to be a part of everything we are. If we're going to experience this sweetness, somehow, someway, God's got to be in the middle of it. And so this idea of his favor. And then here's the third thought right from the text is our choices set the tone for our homes. Our, our choices do. I mean, it, it's almost as though God is saying, I want to bless you, but you've got to choose. I, I, want, I want you to experience this amazing sweetness of what you're going to have in life, but somehow, someway, you have to choose. You can't just put it on autopilot and hope it happens. You've got to make a decision. And so all that's in there. And so today we're going to kick off this series with the beginning points of establishing or laying the groundwork of a home sweet home. All right, so let me give you the two big ones right off the bat. All right, here's the first one. Is that home sweet home begins with weakness. Like what? Home sweet home begins with weakness. Most of us would probably say to have a sweet home you have to be strong. You've got you to have some, some willpower, and I agree with that. There's, there's an importance about having willpower and a healthy home, but there's actually greater understanding to understanding the value of weakness. And, and so most homes are broken not because of the absence of strength, but because of the absence of healthy weakness. It's kind of an interesting thing. It's like, wait a minute. You mean, you mean the struggle that I have in my home isn't because we're not being strong enough? Mm, probably the struggle is, is you're not being weak enough. What? And so this idea of weakness, and, and some of you might think, well, isn't weakness like being a wimp or a doormat? It's not. Weakness has nothing to do with just being something that people roll over. That's not what the weakness we're talking about. 
This idea of weakness is understanding who I am in relationship to God and in relationship to those around me. I, I, I understand really what's going on here. And there's this, there's this understanding. So weakness is rightly placed confidence. Rightly placed confidence. And so let me give you just a scripture. Maybe you can kind of unpack this idea of weakness. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul, the apostle, had two massive defining moments in his life that were weak moments. The one of those moments was on the Damascus Road where he came into relationship with God. God struck him. He was blind. He realized, whoa, I've got some problems. Okay? And God did something. In the moment of his weakness, he revealed himself. Later on, though, in his heart, he did the same, same type of work. So notice this, what he says. He says, I was given a thorn in my body because of the outstanding revelations I've received so that I wouldn't become, wouldn't be conceited. It's a messenger from Satan sent to torment me so that I won't, wouldn't be conceited. I pleaded with the Lord three times for it to leave me alone. He said, said to me, and this is God speaking to him, my grace is enough for you because power is made perfect and set with me. Weakness. Power, it might, my, for, because power is made perfect in weakness. And then the next verse it says, So I gladly spend my time bragging about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on me. A couple real quick thoughts. First one is this. Is maybe the difficulty you're facing and sometimes I face is more about me discovering the power of weakness in my life than anything else. Maybe the very struggle that you're in right now isn't about you trying to figure all the answers out, but God trying to bring you to a place of weakness. That God would actually bring you to a place that somehow, someway, that God would orchestrate it, even though all this is happening. Maybe that's what the Lord would be doing in your life. Just maybe. Here's another thought. It's simply having a revelation about something and, and having the right heart. Those two things, a revelation. He said he had this, what does it say, an outstanding revelation. In other words, he could see stuff. He, was, he, he had revelation about what was going on and how things worked. And, and those two things are not the same. We're not talking about just getting this grand knowledge because knowledge without the right heart is dangerous. You might be right but you might also be right and very wrong at the same time. You might actually have it all figured out to what everybody in your home needs to do and how everybody needs to act and, and what needs to happen and if they would just do this and if they would just do that. And you have these grand revelations, but if the heart is not right, ooh, baby, you got some problems. You got some issues. And so that's what was going on here. So weakness is, a, is the pathway to true life-giving power. Isaiah 40 says it this way. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. And so the opposite of weakness is pride and arrogance. It's exalting myself. And so here's what Paul was saying in this text. When I realized my weakness, two things happened. Two things happened. It kept me from being conceited, proud and arrogant. And it positioned me to experience real power. How many of you would like some real power in your life? So somehow this weak thing is connected to this power thing. And somehow that's where I find the sweetness of what God wants to do in my home and in my life. And so all of these things are connected. And so the most common struggle 
The most common struggle found in any broken home is a person or persons who are highly demanding without any personal surrender. There's no weakness. There's no weakness. And because there's no weakness, there's fights. And because there's no weakness, there's this constant battle to try to prove myself right. There's this constant battle that's going on, and it's, it just makes it not sweet. And so that's what's happening. So number one is home sweet home begins with weakness. Here's the second one. Is that, that how, you know, how, what's the beginning point? Home sweet home begins when I face the challenges. And don't look at the person next to you right now. Just, you're going to deal with some challenges, all right? So the challenges, and, and, and so it, it, and what it is, is it's honestly and openly dealing with the issues of my heart. See, most of us, and I'm just going to say this, most of us don't want to do this. Most of us don't want to deal with the real me. I know I don't. I don't, I don't want to deal with the real me. Matter of fact, I would say if I went over the last 25, 30 years of my Christian journey, there were many times where I was trying to ignore the real me, even though it was slapping me in the face. I didn't want to deal with it. I, didn't do, I don't want to deal with my selfishness. I don't want to deal with my own arrogance. I don't want to deal with my conceit. I don't want to deal with the fact that I'm mean sometimes. I don't want to deal with that. But see, somehow I've got to deal with the challenges. If home sweet home is going to happen in my life, I have to deal with the stuff. I can't keep trying to lift the rug up and brush it under and hope nobody notices. The problem is, is everybody notices because everybody trips over it all the time, right? I mean, it's just that's the way it happens. And so this challenge of what it was. And so I begin to ask myself, what are the big challenges for us in our homes right now? Here, and I just listed three of them. Here, here they are. The first big challenge is the know-it-all challenge. That many homes are not sweet because there are people who won't budge, who won't change, who won't listen. Don't raise your hand, but just think about it. (laughs) Just think about it. That part of who we are is a big challenge. I'm not changing. They need change. I'm not budging. They need to budge. I'm not listening. They need to listen to me. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's like... What the heck is going on here? But man, that's where it is. And so there's that constant battle to be right. And here's the point of this, though. It's hard to learn and apply new things to create a different environment if you already think you have all the answers. If you already got it all figured out, there's a good chance that you're probably not going to go anywhere. But if there's got to be something in there that says, maybe I don't have it all figured out. And so we need to be willing to learn, to change, and to listen. That's the first one. Here's the second big challenge is unresolved offense. How many of you have ever been offended? Right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Somebody's done something that's offended me, but it's unresolved. See, it's one thing to be offended and it get resolved. I mean, yesterday, I thank God that in the passion of our conversation yesterday, that we, man, I'm excited about that. We actually got through one. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I mean, it was good. It was like, okay, I'm sorry. You're sorry. Are you really sorry? Yeah, I'm really sorry. I even cried. It was real. It was real. It was real. 
But most of the time what happens is when we get offended, we don't get there, right? We don't, we don't get there. And so, so this pain thing is constant. There's a constant pain. And so that happens with a lot of us. And so pain is part of the challenge in our homes because many of us have been victims of unfair and unkind. It's true. I'm not, I'm, we're not going to try to dodge that. It's true. We've been victims of unkind and unfair. But at the same time, many of us in this room are actually the instigators of unkind and unfair. We've been on both sides of it. But yet we leave it undone. And so, so then there's this thing, you know, that's happening. And so either way, many homes are not sweet because there's an elephant in the corner. It's a huge challenge. There's an elephant in the corner. It goes something like this. We don't talk about that. <laughs> we leave that subject alone. We don't ever mention that. We steer 100 miles away from that conversation because there's a fence that's not resolved. There's something connected to it that makes it not sweet, and, and so nothing can happen, and we don't talk about it. We, we act like it never happened, but the pain in reality still lingers. And so the sweetness of what God wants for us is never there because we don't deal with the offense. Okay? Number three, here's the third one, is that there's a lack of value. There's a lack of value. We say we value somebody, but how many of you realize that saying you value somebody and the way you act are really (laughs) the issues, right? I mean, if I really, really value something, I act that way. But if I don't, I, I, I can say I, I love you and I value you and you're the most important person in my life. But if I act a certain way, then I've got a value problem. Because we tend to protect and, and, and do all kinds of things to protect the things that we really, really value. So value is this huge thing. We need to have this renewed sense of value. So all of that to get to our text. So I'm going to come back to our text now to talk about three things that Jesus highlighted that will help us find this blessed life. It's the foundation, if you will, of sweetness in a home. And, and, and I believe that all the other stuff we need in our homes will come from these three. I believe everything that we talk about over the next several weeks, if these three are happening, there's a good chance that you can find some sweetness in your home. But if they're not, you probably can't even get to the other ones. In other words, all the things we're going to talk about over the next few weeks are going to be really hard to apply if these things aren't happening, okay? So let's just, three characteristics, all right? Three characteristics of the heart, and really what Jesus was describing was this blessed life, and when we apply them to our homes, these attitudes of heart, we can experience home sweet home when, all right? Let me feel the when, all right? Here's the first when. When the home is filled with an attitude of the heart that says, I realize I'm undone. I realize I'm undone. He said, those who are poor, I'm lacking. I'm broken. And realize their need for him are those who usher in sweetness. And here's what it means. It means I realize that I'm a work of grace and process. And I admit it. I don't realize that I'm a work of grace and process and I keep it to myself as a secret. I know God's working on me. I'm actually telling people around me, hey, man, God's still doing something in me. I'm not done yet, obviously. He's still cooking and this, it's not ready, right? 
And there's awareness and acceptance that it's, it's a work of process of grace. It's not an excuse. It's a confession. Meaning that I, I, I've come to a place where I realize that I have been maybe in a big part, a major part of the problem. That's happening to me right now in, in our relationship with Jennifer and I. I'm just being totally transparent. Over the last years, I, I've had these huge moments where I realize, man, God, I got some stuff. And then next year I go, man, God, I got some stuff. <laughs> and then next year I go, man, God, I got some stuff. And I realize how undone I am. I, I, and, and, and all of a sudden when you start realizing how undone you are, it begins to get you in a position that maybe, just maybe, you can begin to develop a sweetness in the home that God wants you to have. But it's got to be there. I'm undone. We're all undone. All of us are in that place. And it's really becoming self-aware. So here's an action point. Let me give you an action point real quickly. Let your family, your spouse, your kids know that you have a lot of room for growth. It might be a conversation that some of some of you need to have with your kids. You know what? Dad's trying to figure out how to be what God created him to be. And sometimes I just really screw up. As a, as a husband, maybe, you know, say, go to your wife and say, you know what, man, I, I'm, I'm struggling with being selfish. I, I'm struggling with, with just making it all about me. I'm, I'm not done yet. I, I, God is showing me I'm struggling. And when you come clean with that, there's something that happens when I just say, I'm undone. It begins the process. It begins the process. So let your families know that there's a lot of room for growth. I'm undone. Here's the second one. is when... The home is sweet when the home is filled with an attitude of the heart that says, I'm really sorry. Matter of fact, let's practice saying that together. I'm really sorry. For some of you, that was the first time you've ever said it. If Just go for it. I'm really sorry. I'm not sorry that you can't understand me. <laughs> I, okay? Right? I'm not sorry. I mean, we're not, but, you know, I mean, although I'm really sorry. There's got to be something about that. And the scripture is those who mourn. Mourn has to do with sadness over brokenness. Sadness over brokenness. And so those who are really sad about what they've done have an opportunity for a home sweet home. But so many times, and this goes back to the whole fence thing, right? Because I'm really sad. It isn't like, man, I really screwed up there. No, I'm really sorry. I'm undone, and I'm really sorry. And when I begin to walk through some of those steps, all of a sudden things start happening in the home that never happened before because I don't know it all. There is an unresolved offense. At least there's an open door for something to happen. I mean, it, it, it works. I'm asking and leading down this path that says, I'm really, really sorry. See, when, when people <clears throat> come to a place where there is real sadness over our, our condition, there is a real chance of sweetness in the home because godly sorrow leads to repentance. And where there's repentance, there's freedom. There's freedom. And see, some of us, we need some freedom. We need the freedom with the offense. We need those freedom. And so when I'm saying I'm really, really sorry, I, I thought about why do we have such a hard time saying I'm sorry? It's because of our pride. It won't let us say we're wrong, right? 
We just can't say it. And man, we need to say it. Here, let me give you, I'm just, again, I'm just being really transparent again today. A few weeks ago, we had uh, uh, the marriage I still do thing. And, uh, and I, I'm, I'm being really honest with you. Jennifer and I, we didn't get married starting off the right bet, on the right foot. We got married because she was pregnant. My mom said, if you get somebody pregnant, you get married. That's not the greatest way to start a marriage, okay? And we just kind of, we wrestled a lot. And I was very immature over the years. And I had done things and said things and just, I was just mean. And so in the last few years, we've been talking about some of this stuff. And, and, and we realized that there was still unresolved offense. There were still things going on. And, and every time we'd get to this real heated conversation in the conversation about these things that happened way back then that were still part of today, I'd go, you can't make me say I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't make me. I always felt like somebody's grabbing my neck like that. And she's going, say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. And then I'd say, I'm sorry. Leave me alone. Right? <laughs> Meant nothing. Because the really part wasn't there. And so at the marriage thing, God began to deal with me even a couple weeks before because I knew what was going to happen at the marriage thing. I was kind of thinking, man, I, I really don't want to go to this marriage thing because I know part of the marriage thing is asking forgiveness from your spouse. And you got to really act like it. And you, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, man, I don't want to go there. Maybe <coughs> I think I'm sick. Right? I mean, this is what's going through my mind. And so I go there. And I know it's coming. I mean, all day long, I'm actually nervous. I'm sitting right in that area right over there on the table, and I'm nervous because I know it's coming. And I knew what I needed to do. I needed to come and kneel down before her and just say, I'm really sorry. really sorry and in a moment there was a connection that we hadn't had for several months that maybe we hadn't had for a long time and it was in that moment I'm really sorry of things that I'd done 15, 20 years ago 30 years ago of attitudes that I had in my heart I'm really sorry And see, some of us today, we're holding on to stuff that's keeping you from the sweetness that God wants you to have. I'm really sorry. And it it doesn't matter, and this is what I was learning about our conversation together. It doesn't matter how I view it and how she views it. I just need to know that my heart said, I'm really sorry for where I've been and what I've done and how I've treated and how I've said things. Really sorry. So here's the action point is to do an inventory in your own life and ask yourself, where do I need to say, I'm really sorry? Maybe today when you go home, get away from TVs, get away from everything, maybe just go for a walk if you're a couple, maybe to your kids. I've done it with my kids before. (laughs) I was usually a lot more quicker over the years with our kids to say I was sorry than with my wife just to say, I'm sorry. And maybe you need to do that. It's going to start something in you. It's going to build something in you. Home, sweet, home. And the last one, last one, then I'm going to, we're going to climb a ladder. Is your home is sweet when 
the home is filled with an attitude of the heart that says, I'm ready to be led. And it says, those who are humble. Can I have it? Don, can you hand me a tissue over there somewhere? I'm having snot problems here. Can you edit that too? Don's walking around. Anybody have a tissue for Don that he can help me out here? Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> That's real love if you give somebody a used hanky. Right? All right. So I'm ready to be led. I'm ready to be led. Those who humble. And, and so here's, here's what this means. Is many times the missing piece in our homes is availability. You've heard of absent fathers, you know. But this idea of availability. I'm available for somebody else to lead my life. I'm available. See, humbling yourself is actually a bowing down in surrender. That's what it is. It's a yielding yourself. It's, it's I'm giving up and, and I'm willing to take the spotlight on me so it can be on somebody else. That's that humbling thing. And so... This whole idea of humility is, is so critical to our homes being a sweet place. And so here's what needs to happen. And as I've been praying about this this week, is big time. More than anything else, Lord, I'm undone. Lord, I need, I need to really say I'm sorry. But I need to get to a place that I can be led. And it's humility. It's humility. It's, it's this bowing down. It's, it's making myself available. It's, it's, it's not taking something from my home. It's bringing something to my home. I'm going to be there as a dad. I'm going to be there as a wife. I'm going to be there as a kid. And, you know, here's your action point. Make yourself available. Dads, maybe spend some time just listening to your kids. Don't try to fix anything. Just listen. Wives, maybe spend a little bit more time encouraging and saying just those really encouraging words, even though maybe your husband might drive you crazy sometimes. Children, if you're in here, kids, blow your parents' minds and actually do what they ask. <laughs> I knew everybody would get excited about that. I'm looking around, there's hardly any kids in here. It's so all the parents are, yeah. <laughs> right? So let me illustrate this, all right? This, this is really cool. And I, uh, can you bring my, my, my prop up here? And uh, my prop master, Don's going to be my prop master. He's going to help me. We're going to climb a ladder as we close. I asked Don earlier, is he okay with heights? All right. All right, let's How's that? Okay, all right, hang on. Don't, don't climb anywhere yet. we got to talk about This is Don, by the way. Give it up for Don. Don's a champ, by the way, and here's why Don's a champ. Is he works all night long and still comes to church every Sunday. So you, are you on an all-nighter again? Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Actually, I brought him up here so he wouldn't fall asleep again. So I was just, no, no, I wouldn't do that. So here's, here's what I found. I found in doing this study, this old St. Benedict instructions to monks to establish the sweetness of God's presence in a monastery, 400 AD, right? And every time I read through it, I was like, man, this is so 
good and so applicable. And, and he called it climbing the ladder of humility. And so in your notes, starting at the bottom, step one, and here's what they are. And by the way, one and two are connected. Three and four are connected, five and six, and seven and eight. And so here's what happens. Until I start climbing this ladder of humility, I'm just lost in the mire and the muck of life. I'm just lost out here. I mean, we're, we're just kind of going through our motions. I'm the one in charge, and I'm kind of screwing it up, and it's not going real well. But this whole thing is separate from what God is calling me to that actually can get me above it so I can really experience this cool thing that God wants me to experience in my home. And so here's the first one. Step one, be mindful of God's presence. Go ahead there. He's mindful of God's presence. All of a sudden, I become aware of the existence of God. And the very first step to humility is this idea that God is bigger than me. He's in authority. There's an understanding of the existence of of God. It starts there. I can't even get anywhere on this ladder of humility that I desperately need until that first step is established that I know there is a God and he's the one in authority, not me. Matter of fact, it says in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. Step two, go ahead there, Don. Step two is connected in this authority thing and it's a desire for his will over my own. It's a desire. It's not even, not even the fulfillment of it. It's just a desire. I desire to do his will. I realized that my will was kind of a mess. <laughs> it was a nightmare. But as I step up to this next level, Lord, you're an authority, and I want your will. I don't even know what that looks like, but I desire it. I desire your will, that your plan is better than mine. Here's step three. Go ahead. Don't get scared out there. He, he told me surely that he was steady. So as he climbs up, step three is to subject yourself to the direction of others. Subject yourself to direction of others, which is interesting because I can't have humility and I'm, if I'm not willing to make myself accountable and available for other people to speak in my life. So if nobody can speak in your life, there's a good guarantee that you do not have humility. If nobody can speak into your life, if there's nobody, if you can't clearly identify somebody in your life that they can say, hey, don't go there. Don't do that. Or, hey, you should do this. And you listen. If that's not part of it, you're not even close to this. And it's probably causing problems in your life. And so being subject to somebody, it's without complaining. It's without grumbling. It's, it's the death to selfie thing. Okay, I'm willing to listen. Here's the fourth one. It's connected to this association. It's to make room for the weakness of others. It's to make room for the weakness of others. If you're going to have humility, you've got to realize that other people are on the same journey you're on. You've got to be able to say, hey, I'm not having this expectation for you and this expectation for me. I'm making room for you to do some things. And so I'm okay to be patient. I'm okay to accept some of the brokenness that's in your life because I realize that God and his timing is doing a work in you too. Here's step five. Is to quit pretending to be something you're not. Quit pretending to be something you're not. It's being radically honest with others about the weaknesses and faults about who you are. I'm undone. And you tell somebody. I'm undone and I tell somebody. See how, I mean, 
It starts with his authority. Then there's this association, but now we're getting to awareness. I'm getting to awareness that, God, I'm, I, I'm not going to pretend anymore. I'm openly going to admit my weaknesses because I know that secrets and humility don't mix. And I get to this level, I can be transparent. I can begin to stand up maybe in front of people and say, I've really screwed up. I'm selfish. talk to your wife at this point at a level you could never do down here. You have conversations that never could happen until you get there. Here's the sixth step. Is there's a deep appreciation of my brokenness and God's grace. There's this incredible awareness of being the chief of sinners, the frailty of who I am, but at the same time, the enormity of God's love and his gentle treatment to me, even though I am that. All of a sudden, I get way up here. It's like, man, God, you have brought me somewhere. You have brought me somewhere because of authority because of all these different things that were happening. Lord, finally up here, but so many times all we want, we want to get there right away. We got to walk through some of these things. Number seven. Ironically, step number seven, right here, is speak less, listen more. Don't fall. Speak less, listen more. All of a sudden, here's what's interesting. What we would like to think that it's all down here is this whole, this restraint and right action and all this stuff. It doesn't happen until I get way up the ladder. But we want it to happen now. But we don't give God any authority. We don't want his will. We don't want this. I'm not going to let people know who I really am. I'm going to keep pretending. I'm going to go through all these things. But man, we want to be able to act a certain way. It just doesn't happen that way. And the last one, as we become the expression of God's love in our home. That's what we all want. That we're, we be the expression that there's no more haughtiness or sarcasm or put-downs or boasting, and we embrace our own weakness and those of the others we love the same. There's this incredible sense of love because at that step, at that step, that's what God's calling us. God's calling us to this blessed life. Life is in response to the love of God. And it oozes out into everything else. It reigns supreme over everything else. But I can't get there until I step through these. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Lord, there are many of us in this room, God, right now. Right now, God, that desperately, desperately, desperately need to walk through these steps. Lord, just to tell somebody I'm undone, just, just to come and say I'm really sorry, just to come and say I'm ready to be led, just, Lord, just to make those steps. And so, Lord, as we respond in song, may our hearts respond to you and say, God, I'm here, do a work in me. Lord, let it be so. Let it be so, God. In Jesus' name.